Good morning. And just so glad to be here with you guys this morning and so glad just to really just be in the presence of God. Um, and just amazing you know, what God's doing in, in this place and just in our hearts. Um, man, just Father, move. God, remove all the distractions this morning. God, remove me this morning. Just move. God, we don't want anything else this morning. It's nothing else worth our time this morning. It's just you. So God, whatever you want to do this morning, you just do it. God, get us out of the way. God, we just want to sit in your presence. just want to meet with you. So God, this morning, every obstacle, just rip it down. Let us hear from you. You're so good. You're so good. God, I know you're going to speak this morning because you love your people. So just speak. Amen. Man, um, good morning. That was horrible. Good morning. I thought there were like seven people here when you said that, um, which is fine. Um, but man, just so excited about this word this morning. We're going to be in Luke 11. Um been like marinate on this for like two weeks now because I thought I was going to preach it last week and then God was like you're not actually going to get to talk which is fine um and I pray for that right? right there's these moments you read about in the old testament where like the presence of God just fills the temple in such a way where they couldn't even minister and it's like man I pray for that where it's like God just show up because you don't he doesn't need us he just uses us right it's not like he's like, oh man, I've been waiting 2,000 years for Brad to come along so I could do an amazing thing, right? Like, he doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need me, he doesn't need you, but it's an amazing thing that he uses us in spite of that. Right. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Like, like, God's never just been sitting around in heaven thinking, ah, oh, just man, if I just, I, if we could just get to this moment where this person would be born, I can, I can, I can just move in an amazing way, Right? But he's used people in an amazing way. People that were willing to be used by God, God will use. That's how it works, right? Isn't that cool? Like, think about it. Like, in, in our lifetime, like, you think of, like, the, the biggest spiritual name that's, like, existed since most of us have been alive, and it's, like, Billy Graham, right? Did amazing things, right? He saw amazing things. I would love to just see, like, a percentage of, of what he saw, um, and isn't it cool to think that God wasn't just sitting around in heaven like for, you know, 2,000 years thinking, man, if we could just get to when Billy's going to be here. Isn't that cool? Yeah. There's no, see, there's no difference in, in us and him other than he was like, you know what? Um, I want God to use me, and, and I'll just let him. And what could we see, right, if we would just, I want God to use me, and I'm just going to let him. I'm just going to give up whatever i got to give up because I just want to see God do an amazing thing. See, in reality, other than Jesus, every person we've ever seen in the Bible do an amazing thing has been just like us, flesh, blood, and bones, right? It even says, right, I think it's in maybe First Peter or Second Peter, it's talking about uh, one of the prophets. I think it's Elijah or Elisha. The, those names run together for me. But it says he prayed, and, and the rain stopped for, like, years, but he's just a man like us, flesh and blood like us, right? And wouldn't it be amazing? I'm just, I'm just, uh, that blows me away that God's like, you know what? I don't, I don't care who you are. 
I can use you if you're willing to be used. That's an amazing thing today. God uses imperfect people to do amazing things in spite of us because of who he is. It blows me away. And that's for free. I don't even know where that came from this morning. I just was thinking about that right then. And it was like, okay, just share that. So maybe God's trying to use somebody and you're just in the way. So maybe you should get out of the way and God will do an amazing thing. Oh, man, I don't know where that came from. Awesome. Uh, So anyway, this morning we're going to be in Luke 11. And we're going to start about verse 5. And it we're, we've been in a series called In Jesus' Name, and I think possibly this is the last week of that. Who knows? Um, but I've really just enjoyed talking about prayer. Amen. Yeah. It's been amazing to me. Like, Isn't that crazy? Like, If I did a survey today, who's grown up in church? Like, Most of us would raise our hand and be like, yeah, that was me. Because uh, we're in the Bible Belt, right? Like, Everybody's supposed to go to church here. It doesn't happen, um, just in case you're jaded and think every person you know already attends church somewhere. That's a lie. Um, maybe you should ask them. <laughs> um, but that, that's us. That's most of our stories. I grew up in church, and I, I've prayed, right, for I'm 32, I guess. I think I'm 32. I've prayed for like 32 years now, and God's like, hey, um, you don't know everything yet. So I don't know how long you've been praying, but maybe just maybe like you don't know everything there is to know about prayer yet. And it's been blowing me away what God's been saying about prayer. And I'm 32 and I've been raised in church. Like I was probably crying in the back of the room as a baby in church because we didn't have nurseries and stuff then. You just, you know, whatever, just went for it. That was probably me. And, and, and God's just blowing me away about prayer. And I think that's nuts. Isn't it crazy that there's always more? Thank you. <laughs> Maybe some of you aren't convinced of that yet, but man, I am. 32 years, and I know nothing about God. The stuff that I know about God, you know, could fit on a bookshelf that I don't own. Like, you know, like, I know nothing about him. And for all eternity, this God's going to be teaching me about him. So, man, shouldn't I devote everything I got to learning about him just right now? And it's been blowing me away. And this morning, we're going to continue just talking about um, prayer. And it's amazing and very fitting that we're going to end up where we started in Luke 11. Isn't that cool? The first message on prayer is in Luke 11, and here we are weeks later, and God's like, let's just go back and finish. Um, I love Luke 11. It's kind of amazing. The disciples are, are sitting there, and Jesus is off kind of praying, and they're close enough to see that Jesus is praying. And it says that he was praying in a certain place. It uh, doesn't matter where the place is. And it says, and when he was finished, he being Jesus, because it's capitalized, it says, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus is over here praying and, and, and these men who are raised in like the most religious society on the planet who've grown up praying, probably just like most of us, they hear Jesus praying and there's like, man, there's something different about that. There's something about the way that Jesus prays that has unlocked the way that we pray. We, we may be, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old, but man, Jesus, when he talks to God, there's just something amazing and different about that. And, and the disciples hear that and they're like, man, I, I want that. I want to talk to God like he talks to God. Now, I always think it's kind of funny when Jesus prays because prayer to us, right, is I'm going to close my eyes, I'm bow my head, and I'm going to just call God some really extravagant name, and then I'm going to start asking him for stuff. What would Jesus, who is God, need to ask God for? You read the Bible and you see verses like uh, Colossians, uh, I think it's chapter 1, where it says that Jesus created everything. 
You see uh, Romans, I think it's 11 maybe, where it says all things are created through him, by him, and for him. This is Jesus that it's talking about. The, the Jesus is the active voice of creation that we see way back in Genesis. He didn't show up in Bethlehem. And if he has the power and the ability to breathe out the stars, what does he need to close his eyes and ask God for? Well, what, is it, what does he need? And in that, like, shouldn't, it, shouldn't it do something in our brains? Like maybe prayer is more than just asking God for things. Maybe there's more to it than, Father God, I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this. See you tomorrow. And we've been talking about this, this truth that prayer is a relational thing. He wasn't asking God for things. He wanted to talk to the Father. So he would go away and he would get alone with the Father and he would just spend time with the Father and the disciples heard that and they're like, man, that just blows my mind. I don't know what that's all about, but I want that. Man, that we would long to pray like that. That we would hear something different in the way that Jesus talks about prayer in such a way that it would challenge us to make us think, man, I want to pray like Jesus says to pray. I'm tired of praying like just stuff that I want and getting like maybe no feeling of anything. I want, I want to talk to the Father that I know hears me. So he begins to teach him and he teaches him this thing that we know is like the, probably the Lord's Prayer, although this is the abbreviated version. And then he goes and he says, when you pray, and he gives this list, and you look at that, and you're so tempted to think, like, that's, that's a ritual or a routine, and it's not. It's an attitude. Like, we look at things, and we want to make lists out of everything, because in a list, there's control. If I can check the boxes and check, check the dots, I have all the control over this relationship thing. I have all the control over my salvation. I have all the control over my relationship with God. There, there's, there's danger in a list. Because see, the amazing thing about salvation is I have no control over it. It's all grace. The Bible's so clear about that. Uh, God shows me who I, like everybody's favorite hymn that like ever has existed is amazing grace. Right? And the second verse, the one that nobody understands says, uh, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." Such a deep and true theological moment. Without the grace of God, I wouldn't even know that I needed God. I'd just be wandering around like a wild animal through this life. And then the grace of God shows up and he's like, hey, you're doing it wrong. There's something greater to live for. And then that same grace that showed me I needed him is the grace that relieved my fear, right? It's it's the same thing, but we want to jump into, well, I prayed the prayer. You don't have any control. You don't have any control. Give up the illusion that you have some kind of control over your salvation or your relationship. It's all a gift from God. And this isn't some checklist. It's an attitude. It says, Father, when you pray, pray like he's your dad. And it goes on and on and on and on. And we think, okay, that's done because that's where we ended that message. Or we think, okay, it's done because verse 4 happens and then there's like another title. And none of that stuff was there. Jesus didn't quit speaking at verse 4 and he was like, Next section, keep asking, searching, knocking. These were the uninterrupted teachings of Jesus. And it gets to verse four and he gets through that. And then he continues, right, in verse five. And he says, he also said to them, this is that same teaching, same teaching on prayer. Teach me how to pray. Okay, but it's going to take a minute. And he also said to them in that same moment where he, he gave them this attitude of prayer, he says, he also said to them, Suppose one of you had a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, he starts telling this story. 
I'll read the whole thing in a moment. It's kind of a weird story, but Jesus likes to teach in stories, and these stories are called parables. And I think I put parable up there, but parable is just a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. This is a story that Jesus is about to tell, and it's a story with a point or a purpose. Jesus doesn't waste a whole lot of words. I don't know if you've noticed that. This is, this is a story or a simple story, and it's used to illustrate something. It's trying to show us something. And that thing is either a moral or a spiritual lesson. I'll be honest with you, I've read it, and it's not a moral lesson. It's a spiritual lesson. Jesus is teaching us about prayer, and he's teaching us about prayer through this story. And he says, suppose one of you had a friend, and he goes to him at midnight, and he says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. I just want you to understand what's happening in the story. He's talking to the disciples, these followers of Jesus, and he's like, think about this. Think about prayer like this. Suppose one of you had a friend. You got a friend. That's cool. <laughs> Somebody different than who's standing here. And, and you, you went to his house at midnight, and you knocked on the door, and you yelled through the door, hey, man, I need three loaves of bread. Okay, that's weird, right? You come to my house at midnight and knock on the door and ask for three loaves of bread. Um, one of two things will happen. One, I'll be awake and I'll come to the door and be like, dude, I don't have three loaves of bread because who keeps three loaves of bread in your house? Um, or two, I'll be asleep, in which case you are not going to get me out of bed. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even going to hear you knock on the door if you'd be completely honest. Um, but this is the story that he tells Somebody come, just one of you guys, think about this. You go to your friend's house, you knock on the door, and you yell through the door, hey, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. At midnight, by the way. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Here's the reason you're there at midnight. Hey, surprise friend shows up, and hey, I'm here, I need to rest, and you don't have anything to feed him. So you think, okay, I'll go to Bill's house, and I'll get some bread from Bill. You go knock on Bill's door. Hey, give me some bread. It's midnight, and I got a friend here. In seven, he says, then your friend will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. This is me. I'm the friend in this story. Go away. I'm trying to sleep here. Leave me alone, right? Don't bother me. The door is already locked. That's a chore, just unlocking it. Um, And my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. You go knock on your friend's door, it's midnight. This culture, right, probably went to bed earlier than we do. They don't have TV and radio and all that stuff. It gets dark, you get bored. So um, he's been in bed for a while. Friend knocks on the door. Hey, I need some bread. He answers like most of us would answer it. Hey, it's midnight. Come back later, weirdo. I'm in bed. Leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. Kids are asleep. You're going to wake them up. I'm not coming to the door. This is the story, right? Kind of a weird story, but it's a story. I can't get up to give you anything. Can't's a strong word. Won't is probably what should go there. I tell you, this is Jesus coming back into the end of the story, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Think about that. His friendship didn't earn him anything, right? Oh, that's Frank. I'll get up out of bed and go get him some bread. This was not the kind of friendship they had. Yet, because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. This is what he says. Interjects at the end of the story, and he's like, think about this, though. What if you don't give up and walk away from the door when he tells you no? Right? It's midnight. It's knocking on the door. 
hey, I'm not giving you any bread. Like this guy had two options at this point in time. He could leave without bread or he could realize, hey, I, don't, I can't buy bread anywhere in the city at midnight, right? I'm not going to be able to make bread. I don't have anything to make bread with. And Bill is the only guy that has any bread. So I got to be at Bill's house and I got to knock on Bill's door. I'm at the mercy of Bill. I'm helpless on my own. Got to get it from Bill. And he knocks on the door. He could walk away or he could stay and continue to knock on the door. Now, if this was you and you were laying in bed and it's midnight and uh, I come knock on your door, you're going to tell me to go away too, but what if I just keep knocking? Now it's like 12, 15 and I'm still hammering on your door. Dude, I need your bread. <laughs> I told you it's a weird story. Um, 12, 15, you're still like, no, go away, right? Well, 12, 30 rolls around and I'm still beating on your door. Hey, and nobody else is going to give me any bread. You got to get up and give me some bread. You're going to start getting annoyed at the fact that you can't sleep because I'm interrupting your sleep, right? Like I'm knocking on your door and, and you're eventually going to be like, you know what? I'll just give you the bread. I'll give you all the bread. You can have like 27 loaves of bread. Just go away. I'm trying to sleep, right? Like that's what would happen. That's what would happen. And this is the story <laughs> that Jesus is telling. Just think about it. If you had a friend who you knew had bread and you didn't have any bread and you went to their house and you needed bread and you knocked on the door and it was midnight, they'd probably tell you to go away. But if you kept knocking, wouldn't they probably eventually come to the door? Your friendship didn't earn you anything. This friend's apathetic. He doesn't care about your struggles or your problems or your issues. He's just trying to go to bed. What a jerk. Doesn't want to give me any bread. But man, if you just keep bugging him, he'll probably eventually give you some bread because he's trying to sleep. This is the story that Jesus is telling. It's a weird story, right? You're like, what does that have to do with anything? I thought we were talking about prayer. What does it have to do with anything? Well, he, luckily Jesus is here and he answers his own story, right? He's going to explain it. He says in 9, in context of this story, right? We've heard these verses a million times, never in context. In context of this story, what's he say? So I say to you, back to teaching you about prayer. So I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. I love the matter of factness in those words, don't you? Not keep asking and maybe you'll annoy God long enough that he'll give you something, right? Keep asking and uh, if God's in a really good mood that day, he, he might give you stuff. It's not what he says, is it? Keep asking and it what will not it might or it could or it maybe will he's like it will be given to you it's fact if you keep asking god will answer remember i think two weeks ago we, we had that story and there's a story of this persistent widow and jesus is telling this story about how to not get discouraged when we pray do you see the similarity in these two stories Well, what could Jesus have very easily said right before that? Hey, this is a lesson on how to not get discouraged when you pray. Because here's the reality. We are in a microwave culture today that thinks every time we do this thing, we get this thing. Right? Now, I'll be honest. The reason most churches quit doing ministry is because um, we don't care about ministry because ministry doesn't usually equal more money. If we put this in and we don't get X amount more people, it's not worth it to us. We're in that culture where we think if we do this, we ought to get this. So when we hear God answers prayers, what we automatically go to is the first time you say it, God is supposed to answer it. And if he doesn't, he's mean or he doesn't care. It's false, but it's the lie that we've bought into, isn't it? But look at what Jesus says. 
He tells this story, and he's like, hey, there's this friend. You go to his door. You knock, and you ask for bread. He tells you to go away, and, and you just, what if you just kept knocking? Wouldn't he just eventually just get up and give you some bread? Well, let me just pull that back to prayer for you. Keep asking. Not ask one time and expect God, Genie, to just come out and do the thing, right? But just keep asking. And if you keep asking, what's he say? It will be given to you. He goes on because he knows that we, we need to hear things several times. Usually if God restates things several times, he's like, hey, this is important and we know you and you're not going to get it the first time. So he, what's he say? He says, keep searching. Keep looking for the bread. And you will find it. Not, ah, you know what? I don't really need bread. It's midnight. It's kind of too late. We don't need that many carbs. So we'll just go. You know, like that's not what he's. So keep on looking. Because if you keep on looking, you will find it. And then what's he say? And this, like we always, we always want to read this verse out of context. It doesn't even make any sense, right? Like what do you mean keep knocking? In the context of the story, what's it mean? Keep, keep knocking. Keep asking the friend. Keep staying at the door. You don't get the answer that, that you think you're going to get the first time. Just keep on pounding on the door. Keep knocking. And what's he say? And it will be open to you. I'm going to let you in on a secret. The first time you pray something, it might get answered, but it probably won't. Especially if your thing isn't, hey, God, just wake me up in the morning. Right? Everything God has ever done, every every miraculous thing God has ever done, he, he doesn't normally just like, okay, right now. I mean, he's done it a few times, right? Hey, we're standing at the sea, and we're about to die, and I need a rescue. And the sea just kind of opened up, right? That was like a right then thing. I'm not saying that God won't do amazing things like right then the first time you ask, but, but there's a lot of times that, that we ask God for things in the Bible, we see it, right? God even promises things in the Bible, and there's a period of waiting that happens before God finally answers the prayer. And a lot of times, and you're not going to want to hear this, that's years and years and years and years of waiting. Hey, I'm going to lead you guys out of Israel into the promised land. Israel, sorry. I'm going to lead you out of Egypt into the promised land. Israel is the promised land, so if you didn't get that, sorry. Um, I'm going to lead you out of captivity. I'm going to lead you into the promised land. Well, it's amazing. He leads them to the promised land, and they go in, and they're like, there's big people here. And for 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness before God prepared a people who would go into the promised land. Some of us are praying things right now, and God has to prepare a people. And that people is you. We pray things, and I think we think God has to like wind up and get ready and put everything in motion to do the thing. No, God is not preparing to answer your prayer. He's preparing you for your prayer to be answered. Abraham calls him, right? Hey, come follow me and I'll give you this 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 and I'll give you this. Waited years, right? He saw pieces of it. But the, the main thing that he hadn't seen is he's like, I'm going I'm to give you a kid. And, th- and through this, there's going to be like nations birthed out of you. 
He died before he ever saw the fruition of the complete promise. He saw a kid. He didn't see nations, right? But he waited years and years and years and years and years to ever see the first kid. He was, he was beyond childbearing age, and so was his wife. It was a miraculous thing that God did. And what was God doing? He was preparing a people. Abram, you are not the dad we need. You don't got no faith, very little faith. And I got to forge you. I got to make you the guy that we're going to talk about, you know, in, in the New Testament, that guy who, who, whose faith was unshakable. I got to turn you into that. Because, see, if I'd have given you Isaac the moment you left, you'd have never taken him up on the mountain to sacrifice him. You wouldn't have done that. You weren't the right guy. I had to prepare a people. I had to turn you from Abram to Abraham. And when I got you there, man, then we were ready to do something. I wasn't preparing to answer your prayer. I was preparing you for your prayer to be answered. Over and over and over again. We see this, right? Like David, little boy, right? Out in the sheep field. Brother, you're going to be king eventually. (laughs) But before that, you're going to play harp. You got to hone that skill. Before that, you're going to fight lions and you're going to fight bears because eventually you're going to fight a giant. And you need to know the same God that protected you from the lion and the bear will get you when the giant comes. After that, you're, you're going to have done everything right and there's going to be a king that wants to destroy you and you're going to wander around. I've got, I got to shape you into the person I need you to be. You're not king material yet. I've anointed you, and years later I will appoint you, but I've got to prepare you, not the prayer. Don't we see that over and over and over and over again? And what do we want? God, you said you'd do it. Do it right now. I claim it. Yeah, 30 years from now you might. I'll be honest, I don't think God's looking for people who want to knock and go back to bed. Do you? That's not even faith, is it? Hey, bro, I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this. See you tomorrow. I don't think God's looking for those people. I think God's looking for a different people. I think God's preparing a people, and I think he prepares people through those moments. See, I'll be honest with you. It's an easy thing to come to church. Congratulations, you made it. You got out of bed later than you normally do to go to work. Sunday's my day to sleep in. Bro, you're getting to sleep in. Sunday's my day to meet with God. It's an easy thing to sing worship songs, right? You can find a worship song about anything today. It's really an easy thing to raise your hand. Watch, everybody raise your hand. Okay, for some of you it's harder, I guess, than others. But for <laughs> most of you, it's fairly easy. you got some rotator cuff issues. And then you can do this, right? It's an easy thing. 
And we treat that like, man, that's the spiritual Super Bowl. Ah, I shouted today. Hallelujah. Look at you, you know. It's an easy thing to say prayers, isn't it? We've been doing it for 32 years for me. It's easy. But man, faith, that's hard. God's looking for people of faith, not people of faith. What faith are you of? I'm of the fill in your denomination faith. That's not even faith. That's just where you go meet on Sunday. God's looking for people that don't look at circumstances to determine who God is, but look at God to determine what circumstances really are. That's why it says in Romans, I believe that Abraham was not a man tossed around by circumstances, but a man who believed that what God has said, he was able to accomplish. And God's next friend's house and his next friend's friend's house, because option. Realize there's something, and there is a, a snake instead of a fish. Is anybody like me and you're like, I just have trouble reading that? That's just weird. Like, who would do that? Like, like who, if your kid come and ask you for food, let's just go ahead and change that, right? Like, he doesn't want a goldfish. He's like, he's looking for food. If your kid come to you and he asks you for something he needs, who, who among you would be such a jerk to give him something that's harmful to him? Who would do that? Isn't it like even an appalling thought? Like, who would do that? What, what kind of dad would it take if your son come to you and asked for a fish would give him something that would harm him? What kind of dad would that be? Like, who, who here would do that? It goes on, because, I mean, that's just not even the level of weirdness that this story gets into, right? And, and he says, or if he asked for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. How do, those, how do you even get that out of that? Like, those are so contrary, right? Like fish and snake, I can get that. But like an egg and a scorpion, I don't even know how that gets there. But again, you have this, this image of the kid comes and he asks the father for something he needs, and the father gives him something that's harmful and ugly and weird. <laughs> Scorpions are just like creepier spiders, right? And he says, who would do that? Who would do that? What is Jesus saying in these moments? Because here's the deal. They said, Jesus, teach me about prayer. And everything he says after that is to teach us about prayer. So this end section here, even in these, these weird stories of, hey, there's a fish and a snake and an egg and a scorpion, even in that, God is teaching us about prayer. What is he teaching us? He's teaching us about the character of the Father. He's teaching us about the character of the Father. He's like, nobody on this planet has a dad that's jerky enough, right, that if they come and ask for something they need, is going to give them something that will harm them. Now, that's assumed. That's probably not true. I think for a lot of us, we, we could maybe even tell stories of, of we've had just not super awesome father figures, right? Yes. We have dads that are absent. We have dads that are apathetic to us. We grow on the heavens. If our dad and father, God, mean, doesn't want to speak, right? We, we think off on God. And I just want to say, Jesus doing, he's saying, man, not a better version of dad, but like this is the perfect father. Another who's a little bit nerfer who really was a crappy father. Right? Didn't answer that, but God doesn't care. It's like, guys, you know the secret to talking with dad? 
and seeing that he's daddy. You know why Jesus prayed like nobody else has ever prayed? Because he's never had character issues with God. He saw God for who he was. He was in heaven with God, and he knows exactly the character of God. And he stepped down here, and he didn't immediately think, oh, man, they're going to nail me to a cross. Dad is so mean. He knew the character of God, and the character of God is what carried him through nails in his body. The character of God is what carried him through straps on his back because he knew if God would allow me to go through it, man, there's going to be something beautiful that comes out of it. Pain happens. It's reality. Hurt happens. It's reality. There are things we don't like that happen in our life to us. There are things that happen around us that we don't like, but it doesn't defame or change the character of God. And if God would allow it to happen, it's not because he doesn't care or he's lost control. It's none of that that stuff it's because our loving father will allow bad things to happen because ultimately they're for our good it's not some scorpion that he's passing out he says this is him this is him he's that dad he he loves that kind of way and we got to get along with that you want to know the secret to praying it's this daddy (laughs) I know that you love me. I know that I don't deserve it. Fill in whatever, right? Daddy, I know before I speak that you hear me. I know that you hear me. I don't have to sit around and wonder if God's listening to me. God's waiting for me to get alone with God. It's not too busy watching TV. Maybe that was your dad. It's not dad. Teach me to pray. All right, here's the secret. Sink yourself deep into the character of God. Anchor yourself deep in the character of God and you will not be tossed around by the waves of your circumstances. Plant your anchor deep in the loving character of the Father and when the storms come, your boat won't be flipped. Run your roots deep into the ground with God. Not, oh, I go to church. No, God, teach me who you are. Teach me who you are. You know why? You know why David, for years and years and years and years and years, hid in caves? And 20 years later, I'm going to knock. And 30 years later, I'm still going to be knocking because I believe that God is a loving God and he knows what time I need to be, where I need to be, and he'll get me there. Abram, for years and years and years, waited on this kid. Why? Because I believe. I don't know why I believe, but I left and God answered and I walked and God answered and I went here because he told me to and God answered. And if that's the God that answered here and here and here and here, he'll answer there. He hasn't changed. He hasn't hasn't went away. He's not left me somehow. I have to anchor myself deep in the character of God so the waves of my circumstances won't bash me on the shore. Church, we got to get wrapped up in the loving character of our Father. We got to get to the place where we're like, you know what, I don't want to just come here. Faith is never forged in just coming to church. Faith is forged in a relationship with our daddy who loves us. 
Faith is more than I said a prayer at an altar when I was 11 years old. That's, there's more to faith than that. Faith is more than I'm not going to go to hell when I leave this place. Faith is more than that. Faith is what says, you know what, God, I'm with you because you are with me. God, I'm with you because you are with me. God, I may ask this a million more times, but I know, Daddy, that you would never give me anything harmful. So if you're not answering, God, it's because I'm not ready or it's going to hurt me. I'll be honest, you know, some of us have prayed we win the Powerball. No, God doesn't answer. I've knocked on that door for years. Maybe that door is going to hurt you. You don't need money. You need God. You don't need stuff. You need God. You can live with God in debt. Isn't that amazing? Father God, this morning, we just ask that you help us to sink ourselves deep in the character of God. I think it's amazing every time Jesus talks about prayer, he doesn't give us some formula. Hey, say these words, right? Here's your checklist. And when he teaches about prayer, he's always teaching.